Welcome to the Aeon Pensions Podcast. This episode of the podcast looks back over the key points learned from the defined contribution pension fund research, navigating the future. Joined by Sophia Singleton, head of DC Consulting, and Linda Whitney, partner, we talk about DC schemes readiness for the future. We look at the role technology will play in shaping the future of DC schemes, as well as some of the challenges the schemes will also face along the way. Finally, we'll be looking at some of the surprises the report has thrown up as well. The full report is now available on the Aon UK DC website. All five chapters are now available. Setting the future, plotting the course for contributions. We also have an accompanying podcast for each episode. These are also available on the Aon DC website. Expert insight and analysis is available in each episode from the Aon DC team. If you've not yet listened to the previous episodes, follow the links on the show notes or again visit the Aon UK DC website where all the episodes have been embedded there for you. And now, time for the interview. Welcome back to the Aon Pensions Podcast. Today I'm joined by Linda Whitney and Sophia Singleton. Welcome both. Hi, Stuart. And today we're going to be uh, having an overview of the survey results, uh, looking to the future and what it means for schemes. So if we could start with uh, Linda... What are the key to DC successes highlighted for 20 years' time? So we asked respondents to get their crystal balls out and look at 20 years into the future to think about what would be really important to make DC a success at that stage. The top three things they came up with were member engagement, financial education and integration with other savings. I think that's a really interesting uh, group of answers taken together, putting it together for the member to think about what's right for them and the whole of their financial circumstances. By 20 years' time, I hope we'll have a little bit of help with the youngest members of our workforce from the work that's happening in schools right now to improve broad financial education. But for the rest, and that will be the vast majority, we're going to be very reliant on what the employer offers. Members still look to their employers, so employers do need to get this stuff right. I think it was um, really interesting to see that those three areas, really member education, member engagement, ranked higher than just better savings rates, just at a basic level. And I think that schemes and employers recognising, as Linda says, the diversity of financial needs, um, which means that any solutions we put in place need to be flexible for the in- individual. So we kind of all know one size doesn't fit all, and, and, and for some people it's focus should be on pension savings, others it might be on debt management. So actually being able to help members choose what's right for them is crucial. Also really interesting, I, th- I think, were some of the items that were much lower down the list. So there were things like robo-advice, tax policy, and accumulation products. And I think this last one, sort of better accumulation products, came low down the list, reflecting the fact that UK pensions products have moved on a long way over the last 10 years and are actually generally fit for purpose. So, you know, relatively low cost, um, access to robust investment products. So I think going forwards, what schemes are saying is that they'll be focusing on member engagement and another one that came on the list a bit higher up was post-retirement solutions. Well, it's good that pension funds seem to be moving forward. 
And I think, uh, Linda, you've probably come up with your next gift for the PLSA conference, uh, crystal balls on the stand. I think that would be, be well taken. I don't know what we'd see. How much fog would there be uncertainty? <laughs> Where how would we get clarity for people about actions to take forward? But yeah, sounds like fun. I have to say that, and that was a driving theme for the PLSA this year. Um, was really about looking to the future, and I think yeah. there was, you know, you were there as well, Linda. There was a great vibe. Lots of discussion about millennials, robots, and the changing shape of the workforce. Um, and I think there was a lot of challenge for what we as an industry need to do in response to that. We sponsored, Aon sponsored the New Horizons work stream where we took the opportunity to look at what DC schemes specifically need to do. And we asked the audience some poll questions. And the key themes that came from the audience at the PLSA were increasing contribution rates, using automation techniques such as auto-escalation, Incorporating ESG factors as a fundamental factor into default strategies, so um, that was seen as being really important, and then ensuring the post-retirement products deliver a sustainable income. So those were three key areas that really came out of the PLSA for me. And what um, across the survey as a whole, where should schemes actually be taking action? Well, for the 40% of schemes who are not ready for the auto-enrolment rate increases, that has to be their top priority. So we've got the minimums going up in April 18 and then again in April 19. And across the survey, 40% weren't um, at levels that would meet the 2019 standard. So they've got to be getting on with that. In fact, if, get it, if they're having to do it for 2018, Given the consultation periods, they should be well into that by now already. Um, that's key to outcomes, getting the amount into the funds in the first place. But it's also important in terms of engagement that as those rates increase, we don't see opt-outs. And Stephen John talked much more about that in detail on podcast too. I think the other key areas that come out of the, the survey um, are setting your default investment strategy, ensuring it aligns with, with your member behaviours. So we've seen a bit of a disconnect at the moment between member behaviours and, and where strategies are at the moment. Um, and also um, ensure that you, know, you, you use the most cost-effective tools within your investment strategy. Um, and then the second area is about supporting your members into retirement um, and you know, the number of schemes that are choosing a preferred drawdown provider is increasing um, and there's certainly more schemes looking at that now. And I think that's a really interesting one, the preferred drawdown provider, because actually members think that whoever they're with today has been thought about in relation to what they'll take after retirement. And where they're not getting advice, they tend to stay put. Yeah. So even if you haven't selected a preferred drawdown provider, you probably have, or your members at least think you have. Do you think that's how, uh, you mentioned there's a slight disconnect there with some of the strategy and what members think uh, in, in terms of the default funds? Yeah. Um, do you think that gap's closing? I think it is closing. I think the thing that really surprised us was that 40% of schemes are still targeting annuities yeah. um, at retirement um, in their investment strategy, whilst what we're seeing is the number of people buying annuities at retirement has gone down considerably, and actually twice as many people are going into drawdown than taking an annuity. 
So I think we have to recognise that trend. Um, and so that was one disconnect. The other disconnect is that in the short term, a lot of people are taking cash um, out of retirement, whilst, you know, obviously strategies aren't focused on matching cash. I think that's the right thing, that they don't focus on matching cash, but you do need to understand the outcome for your members and the experience for your members who are, might be taking cash. So it's just yeah. about understanding the risks that the members are, 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 might be facing. And, um, you know, just looking into the future, we obviously have the uh, pensions dashboard, which um, yeah, many think will be a game changer. Would you, would you agree with that? I think, um, yes, I, th I, think, I think it is. I absolutely think it is. Um, and when I look at it, you know, we've got our big blue technology, um, which can already aggregate not just pension savings, um, but also members' wider financial savings and expenses. And what we've seen with that is that the usage is three times higher than most other platforms, um, which shows that members want to see their personal position and they want to see it all in one place. So that's a really strong engagement tool. And that's a real challenge for the pensions dashboard because what it is succeeding in doing is bringing pensions all in one place, but it's putting pensions alone. It's not linking pensions in with people's broader financial circumstances. They've still got to do that part themselves. Just, just somebody who, you know, from, from our personal point of view, does it also include modellers? I know we talked about that uh, quite a bit in uh, a previous podcasts. You know, are people able to sort of project where they're going to be? So what the pensions dashboard will be able to enable providers to do is for people's information to be in one place and then they can link that through to their modellers yeah. so that we will be able to model and project our entire sort of picture, everything in one place, which I think is the real power of the dashboard. It's also, I think, going to allow us, one thing we're looking at is around how it can help us deliver better investment solutions. So one of the innovations we're developing is the ability to individualise the glide path, so the investment glide path. So members' investment strategy doesn't just de-risk with age, but also takes account of their individual projected outcome. Yeah. So if they're on track, we follow one particular strategy. If they're behind track, we might have to make the assets work harder. We follow another, a different strategy. But I also think that's one of the challenges of the pensions dashboard, that it isn't one thing. Yeah. It has actually a base tool and a base platform that then providers are overlaying their own tools and information on. And so from a member perspective, an individual's perspective, when they're trying to think about where do I go to log on to get this information, it's not like um, logging on to a government website where there is only one .gov.uk website that tells you that information. It is going to be a wide variety of different providers saying, hey, come and look at all your information, I've got it. Yeah. And somebody else saying, hey, come and look at all your information, I've got it, over here. <laughs> so I think, and I agree, and so there's a lot, a lot of nuances, a lot of detail that still needs to be worked through on the dashboard. Yeah. But as a fundamental principle, it is, I think, a game changer. Um, and I think it will open up an awful lot of opportunity for, for members and for, for us to help members. And just having all the information in one place, allowing somebody to see with a portfolio career, what's happened to them, where have their pension pots ended up, even just simple things as getting them back in contact with their pension pots can be important. 
sounds like it's going to be a, you know a, a, another challenge for HR directors and, and scheme managers to you know communicate this. I think that's the perception of it being in one particular URL, a government URL. That, that's going to have to change pretty quickly, isn't it? And that reliance on the employer actually is a good thing in this case yeah. because it does mean that they will probably go to wherever their current employer points them. So what's, um, what are your concluding thoughts about the, uh, the survey? What, what, what were the most surprising things that you, you found? Um, I think the sort of concluding thought for me was around where do you educate members and where do you default them? And actually schemes having to make some quite difficult decisions around how they focus that. Um, for me, I think you should probably be defaulting pretty much wherever you can because that will work for most members. To make it work for most members through default, then you need to engage and educate on those decisions where if you put everybody in the same boat, it just won't work. So where you need to tailor to the individual in terms of how much can they afford to save, in terms of where they want to take their savings to when they retire, how do they want to take that income, when do they want to retire, that's clearly very personal. So you need to engage with them strongly on those decisions. I think for me the overriding thought really is there is an awful lot changing. Um, so I think for employers, for trustees, it's just making sure you're keeping up with that change. It's interesting to see how much has moved on just since we did this research two years ago. And the market is, is constantly evolving. So I think you know, one thing we take away is DC is no longer a set and forget. I think, it's, I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head though. I mean, not so long ago, pensions and speed of change wouldn't be two uh, words you'd have in the same sentence necessarily. But having looked at the previous results, it's, it's quite clear how, how fast the industry has moved. Absolutely. Well, thank you both for taking time out to, to talk to us. And if anybody who wants to get a copy of the, the actual full report now, it should be available at the um, Aon UK and it's on the DC pages. Thank you both. Thank, Thank you, Stuart. Thank you.